0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Woldy, Director of Torch, Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Hashem. I asked Rabbi Aryeh I said, does it hurt to be so good looking? I would know. I look in uh, San Antonio and my nose looks at New Orleans. <laughs> But tonight we're going to talk about the second chance. people that don't have a smile on their face. Thank you so much, Allah. Thank you. People don't have a smile on their face. Why? They're in a rut. Something in their lives they're not happy with. Something in their lives. Got to have a smile on your face. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev says, if you believe that you could ruin something, believe that you could rectify. And there's something very interesting, according to Kabbalah. Rabbi Shimon Yochai, that pretty soon is Lagba Omer, and that's the Yort site, the anniversary of his death. And that's when all the curtailment of joy, in the days that we call the Omer, that's when all ends. All of a sudden, Rabbi, De- Rabbi Shimon Yochai and Lagba Omer, for now, we have 33 days where we can't have weddings, we can't listen to music, we can't sing and dance with instruments. Okay, now, what's the great thing about Rabbi Shimon Yochai? Rabbi Shimon Baruchai, he taught us the esoteric side of Torah and the innermost workings of the soul. Now, there's something very interesting that he teaches. He says that every single moment, you read Genesis, in the beginning, the Almighty created the world. Uh-uh. Not just in the beginning, it's the whole time. Every single moment, the world is recreated. Every single moment, you're given a new life force. You can't live on your heartbeat from a second ago. You can't live on your breath from a minute ago. You have to have a new heartbeat and a new breath. And your your body is dynamic. Your body's all the time changing. You see if someone is a, an EKG, you see the difference between your pulse, your diastolic, your systolic. You see the difference all the time. Dynamic, dynamic, dynamic. You see a person on a CAT scan, they take a picture of the brain and see the impulses. Wow, the brain impulse. That's really something crazy. Every single brain impulse, and it takes about 90 million brain impulses to raise that finger 90 degrees. It's mind-boggling. That is the Almighty controlling every single brain impulse. Because if the Almighty takes away his divine direction, the nations call it divine providence. I don't like the word divine providence. It's a divine direction. Because the first principle of Amun the first principle of our faith is that I believe with a full and complete belief that the Almighty, blessed is He, He is Creator and Director of all creation, every living thing, and He alone did, does, and will do every deed. That's the key to happiness. That's uh, nobody could do any harm. It's all going by the mind. Now, if you take uh, uh, your poodle and somebody does something nasty, hits the poodle. By the way, that's a ask me about cruelty to animals, that's a violation of Torah. That's one, Torah is very serious about, about cruelty to animals. But somebody did something bad about that. The, the, the poodle, okay, nice pooch, She's smart as a poodle might be, he still has basic, and according to Kabbalah, he has a basic animal soul. He doesn't have, he can't speak. Because to have to have speak, you have to have an intermediate soul. It's called, the basic animal is called nefesh. And the intermediate soul that has the power of speech it's only human beings, that's called ruach. <laughs> and then there's the divine soul, which enables us to connect with the Almighty, that's called Nishama. right? So, there's a little man who's basic that fish. So with what, what, the basic animal soul, he doesn't think it's instinct, like Pavlov's dog. Pavlov knew how to pattern his dog according to ringing a bell and giving him a treat. And every time the dog heard a bell, the dog would go to the treat. The bell had a something positive. And then he took another animal, did something cruel. Cool. I don't believe it. experiments an animal. Took another, another and, and did another stimulus and gave the, the animal a shock. Very inhumane. But every time the anim, the second animal heard the same bell, that did the same bell, the tree was upset that this is pattern, this where the animals are. So if we would hit an animal with a stick, heaven forbid, it's forbidden. But if someone would, we wouldn't do it. Nobody here would do it. If someone would do that, the animal would grab the stick. I'm not supposed, to, okay, hold it. Rover, I'm going to be your spiritual guide. Come here, leave that guy. Rover, it's not the stick that hit you. It is the man, that criminal that's wielding the stick and causing you pain. So as your spiritual guide, I'm going to advise you to circumvent the stick and grab the guy by the legs. Everybody's okay. Goodbye. He won't hit you anymore. Why do we react like Rover? Why do we act to negative stimuli and we're angry at the neighbor and we're angry at the boss and heaven forbid we're angry at our spouse? Angry. at You, you know what a present is to, to be married, have a spouse? What a present is, a gift, to have children. And people all of a sudden be angry at their children. Do you realize what, what the damage that does? We don't like people to be angry at us. Why do we go and turn around and do it to our children? If we have any grief in life, it's all from the Almighty. And it's all for the best. Because he's trying to teach us a lesson. So we teach us a lesson. He's saying, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, my beloved son, beloved daughter, he's our father in heaven. And that is the real deal. He is our father in heaven. It's not just something nice. Well, I say father in heaven. The Talmud says that there's three partners a person, bring a person into the world. There's mom, there's dad, and there's the Almighty. So explain that from mom, we get the red part of our body, the blood, the red organs. From dad, we get the white part of our body, the bones, the brain. But okay, what do we get? I don't want to confuse it so much. The Talmud is much more illicit. But from the Almighty, we get our souls. So we get our souls. Do you know what the human soul is? Again, back to open up the zohar, Rabbi Shimon Bar He says that the soul is a tiny spark of divinity. Wow! You know what that means? That means that everybody is walking around your life force. It's not you. Your life force is God. Now understand. Someone without belief, without a Muna, he can't possibly fulfill the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you look at somebody else, well, he's this religion, he's that religion, he's Democrat, he's Republican, he's right, he's left, he's this, he's that. Uh, he's white, he's black, he's yellow, he's red. Uh-uh. With a Muna, a person is colorblind because every single human being is your brother, your sister, son of the truth. I'm a son of the almighty. You're a daughter of the almighty. You're a son of the almighty. We don't need a PhD in genealogy to know we're brothers and sisters. That's it. So you care about another human. Ah, Now, if we look at skin color, if we look at ideology, if we look at nationality, if we look at all types of different things, that the evil inclination puts all types of things to make war in the world, to separate people in the world. If there would be somebody in Hamas or in Hezbollah, one of their people that had pure and simple belief in the Almighty, no agenda, and I'm coming in with my pure and simple belief in the Almighty, no agenda, be peace in the world in five minutes. In five minutes, that's it. He's coming in. No, no. My part of religion means that I have to kill the ones that have to kill this one and kill that one and kill that one. The nation of the world, there is so much killing in the name of religion. And we've been on the, the brunt end of it. The, the, there's this unit and the terrorists, this unit in Hamas. It's called the Hyber unit. You know what Hyber was? Hyber was in the 8th century. 8th century when Muhammad came to power and Muhammad went to Saudi Arabia and there were a lot of Jews in Saudi Arabia. They were exiled from the second temple about uh, 750 years before. And he says, I'm the real prophet. I'm this, I'm this. You have to accept me and accept my Quran. And Quran was new on the block. They had a Torah that they received on Mount Sinai in the year 2448 in Jewish calendar, that's 3,348 years ago. So they said no. So oh, you don't receive me? That's it. So he, went, he killed all the Jews. It was a, a, not a decimation. It was a genocide of the Jews of the Arabian Peninsula. They were full of them, Arabian Peninsula. And, Arabic. and then comes Richard the Lionhearted, the big, the big hero, Richard the Lionhearted, the crusader. Okay, and he went across. Nobody bothered this little fiddler on the roof in in, in Poland. What, what did he do to Richard Lionhearted? Uh, they went through Europe and killed all of them. And what it they it could tell stories, by stories, all in the name, and the name of religion, the name of this, the name. Okay, that is not the Almighty. That's not. I have a young lady here in Texas, and the my, my wonderful, wonderful family. And the family became Noahides. You know what Noahides are? Okay. Noahides are wonderful people. They're called the righteous of the nations. That the Noahides accept there's seven Noahide commandments, but there's really many more. There's a a different, they're about, about 33, but seven official. The big seven. And this particular woman in Palestine, Texas, Okay, in Palestine, Texas, the Carter family, Crystal allows me to tell the story. This is Crystal and Wade Carter. Uh, they became Noahides, and Noahides believe in God. Nobody else, nobody else. So one God, what we say in our prayers, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad, Israel, the Lord, our God, Lord, is one one God. And you can't say Noahides, no, there's nothing, not right and left, because idolatry and emuna. This is the thing that when I t- speak to Amuna, I go all over the world. I speak to people, all backgrounds. Uh, when it comes to race, nationality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm colorblind. I see souls. I look at people. I look at the body, Bodies separate. I look at souls, souls unite because that's the night part. Did right? we go speak to Noah Hyde audience? Long, not long ago. We have a community in the middle of called Midlands near Worcestershire in the UK, 40 families, and all together, four. they are really strong. Visit them every year. Have another community of 120 families in Singapore and in Hong Kong, and here in Texas. Okay. So she decided not going to go. She it's, or the church. She debunked the church right and left. And there's so many things in the Torah that not what she was hearing. And so she not only left the church, but she took the the symbols of the church and put them out of the house. And her mother said, Crystal, you're going to burn. She said, Mama, let me ask you a question. She says, No, I wasn't always a good girl in high school. I once, a couple of times, I broke your curfew. You were really angry at me. She So, no, Bobby, her next younger brother, he wasn't always a good boy. He took daddy's car without permission and wrecked it. (laughs) And then she went to Tommy and what stuff Tommy did says, mama, which one of us are you going to burn? burn my children. What, what are you talking about? But mama, we weren't always good. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. We got you angry. We got daddy angry. Which one of us are you not going to burn? So you're going to tell me that the guy you believe in is God. He's going to burn us if we don't accept it. That means, Mama, you're nicer than he is. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's makes it doesn't make sense. People they just open their eyes and think about what people believe in. If you know that the Almighty is so loving and he's so compassionate and he loves you just the way you are. Just the way you are. He loves you. This is son and daughter okay, with your limitations. And guess what? Who gave you your talents and limitations? He did. Why did he give you talents and limitations? Oh, no, but you don't think what he gives. uh, Gillette says you're not handsome enough. Uh, LA Fitness says you don't have six-pack abs and 20-inch biceps. You're not good enough. Helena Rubinstein, Nesty Lauder, says you're not pretty enough. Lord and Taylor says you're wearing old-fashioned clothes. All this media and the Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, take a tooth one of the kids lose a tooth, put it in a glass of Coca-Cola and see where that tooth is the next day. It's not there. Coca-Cola, I don't know if, rabbi, if the, the rabbi told you. I, I'm not only a orthodox rabbi, I'm a fitness trainer and a health coach and nutritionist. Because you can't speak about the soul without speaking about the body, can't speak about the body without the soul. That's like talking about an airplane. Oh, no, I deal in fuselage only. Well, you don't get off the ground, my brother. Okay. And the other guy says, oh, I'm a mechanic. I don't, don't bother me with the tin stuff. Well, you're not going to fly. You're just going to rev your engine up, make a whole lot of noise. You got to have the fuselage and the engine together. That's the engine by the human being. That's the body. The engine is, is the soul and the fuselage is the body. But people think that the body is the whole person. That is bad news. America society, Western society tells you you're a body. That's bad news. You know what it means if you're a body? Heaven forbid, heaven forbid, every day is more clinical depression because every day is a day closer to the guy's funeral. That's what going to live for? One day. Check. So hold it, hold it. Wait a second. Let's make sense of this. Talk about the creator, talk about the divine creator, and he's omniscient. And the creator made such a magnificent, magnificent apparatus called the human body that the flexibility of the human eyes and the ability of human eyes, NASA has no camera as sophisticated as human eyes. Nothing. And we go one by one, the system, the heart, the lungs, the digestive system, one by one. So let's stop and think. The Almighty made this fantastic, fantastic system, so intricate, and people think it's happenstance. Happenstance. Anybody ever learn Russian literature? You ever heard of Leon Tolstoy? Tolstoy bought a book War and Peace. Classic Russian. How about if told somebody that Tolstoy one day walked into then they had the Gutborg presses. It's great with Google. And you had to be typesetting. So Tolstoy came in, he took a big sack and filled it full of these letters and he threw it into the printing press and out came War and Peace. Who would believe that? Why do people believe that, uh, oh, all of a sudden uh, this big bang happened or something happened and the world came in? The world came in, or, or people believe something a bit more stupid, uh, that the, the weird man comes from the monkey, and they teach that stuff. There's <laughs> a story. There was once a great rabbi in Israel in the 1950s. His name was Rabbi Yechez Kalavromsky, and he was on a plane with one of the ministers, the Israeli government, and a really anti-religious party and non-religious, but they were sitting in one or the other, and he hated the religious. He didn't hate anybody, just had nothing to do with this minister. But the minister couldn't help seeing Rabbi Abronsky was sitting in the first class, and his son, his grandson, were in tourists. But every five minutes, the son would come, or the grandson would come, Daddy, are you okay? Uh, Grandpa, are you okay? You need something. You need something to drink. You need something that can help you. And here he's seeing this unbelievable honor, their father, honor their grandfather. And he says to him in the middle, he says, Rabbi, you know, I'm not the, one of your followers, Certainly not. And I guess you call me a proponent. Our political party is a very leftist, strongly against the the religious parties. But I can't help, I can't help. Wondering and be amazed at the amount of respect and honor your son and your grandson give you. So he says to him, he said, Mister Meshul, the minister's name was Ruham Neshel. He was first head of the, the labor unions in Israel, and he became a minister, minister of labor and then labor government. He says, there's a difference between you and me, and a difference when you educate your kids the way I educate my kids. He says, well, I come home, I'm a minister. And my son is sitting in an undershirt in front of the TV. He doesn't even get up. He doesn't say hello. I mean, if I expect him to stand up. We, our, our parents come in the house and, and, and we stand up. It's elders. Not only a parent, but we're supposed to respect elders. It's a, that's a dream. He says, I'll tell you the difference. We teach our kids the Torah. And our kids learn that they are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah are three patriarchs and are four matriarchs. And if you learn about them, they're such admirable characters. So they want to be closer. They want to be closer. So every generation is a generation closer to Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We want to get closer. It's a generation closer to King David, generation closer to Moses. Okay, so this was, you teach your kids that their descendants of the chimpanzee, the orangutan, and the gorilla. Now, you tell me, what he wants to stop being human and get a generation closer. You are a generation closer to the chimpanzee, the orangutan, and the gorilla. And that's why, you know, I have respect. This is the whole difference between our mindset when we don't cling to political correctness and we don't cling to fads and have a truth. Have a truth. Now, this one truth that we're going to talk about, especially tonight, this is the second chance. People come to me with a difficulty. Okay. say so wipe away wipe away the past. It does not exist anymore. From this moment, we declare a new beginning. What do you mean new beginning? I can't believe. No, still, no. Make a new beginning. You can't do that at the bank. It doesn't work at the bank. But it will work at the bank if you decide that you're going to trust in the Almighty from here on. People don't trust in the Almighty, they trust in themselves. And they think if they finagle and wheel and deal in business, they'll make more money. And then they shortchange, their word is not a word. Uh, Excuse me, bro. Excuse me, sis. If you go against the Ten Commandments, don't expect to have big bucks. Because you're not going to bring a blessing in your life. There are two types of commandments, what we call mitzvot in the Torah. There are commandments between human and fellow human and between human and the Almighty. The laws of commerce are classic examples of commandments between human and fellow human. For example, a person comes to the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and he beats his chest. I'm repenting. I'm so sorry. Well, the Almighty looks down. And he says, listen, my son. You shortchanged this one. You didn't pay this worker on time. You lied to this customer. You did here. You you faulted them. I cannot forgive in their name. So really, your prayers aren't heard until you go and ask forgiveness from a fellow person. Do you know there's a law in the Torah that you're not allowed to badmouth another human being? And that law in the Torah of badmouthing another human being, in a way... It's worse than eating something forbidden. Some of it's, it goes against the dietary laws, the, co- the kosher laws. See, see, I'm sorry, Shem. Don't know what happened, what got into me. I'll do better. Finished. I said, sorry, it's finished. That's called shuva. That's penitence. It is so simple. Just admit you did wrong. Say you're sorry. I'm going to try yourself to try your best to do better. Okay. But in that fellow human being, I can't forgive for them. Can't wipe your old money at the bank. Go pay your debt. You owe your buddy money? Go pay him. Can't do that. You know what people do? And this evil inclination. The evil inclination has been more difficult in the beginning of history. It usually, if the evil inclination to make a person transgress against the Holy Word, he had to work hard. Now, what happens? You go on Facebook, and somebody says something derogatory about another human being. When he presses the post button, no control who's going to see it. No control how many people are going to see it. It doesn't matter whether it's a spoken word or a written word to retract that. And that's why people have difficulties in life. People have difficulties in life. Somebody has difficulty. And I, when someone comes to me with a difficulty, do a little bit of interrogation. What's your lifestyle like? What's this? What do they need to know? Okay, so a person spends a lot of time on social media. Uh oh. Uh oh. Social media that have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. But don't be sad. Don't lose hope. Rabbi Nachman of Bresliff says, if you believe you could ruin, believe you can rectify, that is the second chance. The second chance that so many people don't believe in is a signed check from the Almighty. There is called, there's a, concept in the Torah called Pesach Sheni, and it's tonight and tomorrow. That's second Passover. So suppose the first Passover is exactly a month ago, on the 15th day of the Hebrew calendar, of, of the Hebrew month of Nisan. But there's a problem. In the time of the Holy Temple, if a person is ritually impure, he cannot participate or she cannot participate in the Paschal sacrifice. So what do you do? Miss the boat. But, and that's a big penalty, if someone deliberately, deliberately does not participate in the Paschal sacrifice, it's a big punishment because that is a very important mitzvah, the Paschal sacrifice. We don't have the Paschal sacrifice today because we don't have the Holy Temple. There are many things we can't do because we don't have the Holy Temple, but we celebrate Passover and we have it symbolically on the Seder plate, we have the egg and the shank bone, or the wing bone, whatever. This is, is symbolically. We remember this symbolically. But the time of the Holy Temple? No. We all have to make pilgrimage to the Holy Temple and participate in, in groups of people and have Paschal sacrifice. Okay. What happens if a person missed the boat? Where it wasn't his fault, a soldier came home from Afghanistan, or a soldier came home from uh, Iraq, some of war front, And the soldier was in contact with a deceased human being, richly impure and richly impure. It's a seven day purification process, but he came home. He got off the war zone two days before he came home and he came home three days before Passover. He's got, he's got a time to purify himself. So, so what does he do? He can't participate. Well, it, it not his fault. It's called duress. and, Hashem doesn't convict for interest. Hashem says, don't worry. Don't worry. GI, guess what? I'm going to give you a present. You wait a month. You get yourself cleaned up. You have a second chance. It's called Second Passover. That's tonight, which is the night of between 14 and 15 of ER, and a person comes has a second chance. It doesn't matter. The Torah says if a person is ritually impure or if a person is far away, We look at the Torah is much deeper. It's not just talking. The Torah is universal for all time. So why is the Torah giving us this commandment when there's no more temple? And meanwhile, we pray that it should be a temple. We pray for Mashiach. We pray for the the Davidic dynasty. We pray that the holy temple should be rebuilt in Jerusalem. We pray for the gathering of the But meanwhile, no. So what does it mean? The Almighty is telling Anybody that fouled up in any way, if you were spiritually impure or if you're far away, far away from him, you get a second chance. But the almighty second chance, and this is codified in the Torah tonight, but it's really more than that. By the way, this is its very, it's so indicative of my whole lifestyle. My whole life has been the story of a second chance, a second chance, a second chance, a second chance. And I've made so many new beginnings, people thought I was crazy. People thought I was crazy. I left, sold my farm. I was, let's see, 1980, I was 34 years old and went into total immersion tower studies. And I had a really great career. I was uh, a farmer, horticulturist. Specialized in fruits, fruit. I developed agriculture products, agricultural projects, technology. That was my post-grad. Did some good stuff and, and everything. I was uh, in Israel. If you, you're serving a good unit, prestige, and you're only serving a good unit, a veteran of uh, two wars, plus, 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 plus. Israel, it's not just like in America. It's a war. This all the time. Insurgents and all the time. We're uh, all the time. We're very active all the time. And this was 19 years in combat. My last 10 years was as a military chaplain after I became a rabbi. Did my last 10 years and I went on my combat unit. Was getting a little, slowing a little bit down. But this is it. At age 41, I received my rabbinical ordination. Brand new start. Brand new start. And then I made other starts. I was working with an organization. Maybe you've heard of the Garden of Amunah. I was a teacher at the achievement. I was translating Rabbi Shela Marsh's books. That was 13 years. The book became not only that book, several of the books became million million copy bestsellers in English alone. I'm only responsible for the English. Okay, translating. But then my Rebbe, the Melitzer Rebbe, he says, Laser, you can't be a translator. You gotta go do your own message. And so at sixty seven, I made a brand new start. 67, brand new start. That wasn't enough. And then uh, at age 70, had diagnosed with bad news AFib. And at the same time, I had an episode which was an inflammation of the epicardial lining of the heart. And the doctors at first didn't know whether it was a heart attack or a stroke. And it knocked me. I was one foot in the next world. And uh, had been like that since, since the war. There are other times, but this again, had another whole new start. It used to be uh, very even at, at age 67, I was still doing really full-on athletics. And uh, at, at age 67, I could, I could run the 100 meters in, in 15 seconds flat. At that time, the world record was 13.5, some Indian man at age 67. And that's... <laughs> And they do crazy stuff, but now readjust everything, readjust everything. And the afib doesn't bother me. I live with it. It's all the time. Positive, positive, positive. And it's from the Almighty. And the Almighty says, laser, slow down and put more emphasis on the soul and less emphasis on the body. Yeah. Your body's soul proportions are a little bit off. So what do you do? Somebody else says, Oh, I've got an afib. I've got irregular beating of the heart. And the doctors say it could give out any moment. Doctors has been telling me that for seven years. And 80% of the meds they give me, I don't even take. Doctor says, why don't you take the meds? I say, tell you what, doctor. Doctor had a bottle of Coke on his desk. I couldn't be, he's a professor. The, the professor, a professor. Okay. And at 20 years younger than me, professor of cardiac surgery and a wanna say which hospital, but what Israeli hospital that they take care of me. And he told me I gotta take this, I gotta take beta blockers, I gotta take this. Tell you what, Doctor, let's get out of the office and let's run the perimeter of the hospital. If you beat me, I take your meds. If I beat you, I take what I want. All right. So he says, no, I'm gonna erase you laser. Okay, that'll tell you, I'll make it easier for you. Then let's do push-ups. Okay. No, I'm not gonna do that. All right. Something else. Okay. That's it. It's all, I have to do a base, I have to throw a bone, throw a bone. The type of meds I take is like a, it's about the strength of an aspirin, but okay. I'm going to show, i got to have my meds. I've got to have my aspirin. But this is all for the best. Everything the Almighty is doing for the best. We look at our problems in life, the Almighty says, no, ignite. Turn, turn off the engine, turn it on again. Make it better. You could be better every single moment. But people are in a rut, they're hopeless. And I'm telling you from personal experience, age 70 is not too old to make a new start. Age 74, which is starting right now, that's it, I'm the proof of it. And go and go into details. But no matter who you are, what you are, someone spoke to me this evening about something that causes them stress, something in their career that causes them stress. And I told him rule of thumb. It's so simple. It's so simple. The Almighty is so simple. The Almighty is not complicated. King Solomon, who's the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth, he wrote in Proverbs, he said, the Almighty created the man simple, created human simple. But they complicate things. That's the words of King Solomon. They complicate. The Almighty is so very simple. According to Kabbalah, the color of the Almighty is white. Nothing more simple than white, straight line. Nothing more simple than straight line, and that's what King David says in Psalms. He says that the commandments of the Almighty are straight, and they gladden the heart. The heart likes straight things. You know, you talk an honest person, a straight person. It's the opposite of a crooked person. Crooked things make a person. Straight things make happy. Straight. We have to be straight. With ourselves, but why do we lack the courage to make a new beginning? We listen to other people that do not have our best benefit to heart, and maybe it's not politically correct, and maybe a person knows this is truth. person knows I have to okay i heard i I, I know this is truth, but i'm not living my life that way why. Nah, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. How about lose yourself? What about your sleep at night, where you put your head on the pillow? So what do you put your head on the pillow? And by the time you count, you count sheep. You're not going to get to the tenth sheep. You're bye bye. You're in Never lever Dreamland. And people, what are they living for? Look at so many people. And the younger they go, the worse it is. It's only, you know, usually it used to be old people are bent over. But old people, people our age, they're not hooked on smartphones. I don't care if I forgot my phone, didn't forget my phone, leave it at home at times the phone. I don't take my phone to synagogue. I don't take my phone here. My phone is not here. It's at Rabbi Volby's house in a bad. What do I need a phone for now? I don't care. Somebody calls me. I'm not going to look at oh, a text message. Uh, oh, somebody, beep, beep, beep. Oh, there's a WhatsApp, beep, beep, beep. There's somebody face back, beep, beep, beep. Somebody commented here. And they're slaves to the phone. And you look at people, young people, they're walking around with kyphosis. And they look they're, but people think that the Darwin is right because they have the posture of orangutans, <laughs> walk bent, bent over. Because they're all the time looking at the smartphone. That's no life. Your smartphone telling you who you are and if you're good and if you're not good and you're good enough and not good enough and, and, and you see the guy on, on the YouTube or the woman on the YouTube, she's more beautiful. I asked people today in the morning lesson, I said, what do you think the worst evil inclination in the world is? Don't answer. You got the smirk in your face. Everybody thinks, no, what you're thinking, that's number two. The worst evil inclination in the world is when you look in the mirror and you say, I'm not good enough. Uh-uh. I can look at it. Thank you, Hashem. That's some lovely people in this room that I've had the privilege to know before. And there are new people that I have the privilege to meet now. But I'm looking at smiles. I can tell you one thing. Each one is unique. Each one is individual. And you know what that smile shows me, shows me what the fingerprint shows me. The fingerprint, the thumbprint, that is the artist's signature (laughs) that it's an original, it's not a copy, it had been mass-produced, and it's unique. Nobody else has that same, nobody else has that same chromosome map, nobody else, which means nobody can judge you, nobody can tell who you are, Nobody could tell you what to do. In order to know who you are and what to do, you have to be in contact with your soul. You have to realize that you're a soul, not a body. That's the great news. Now we go back to Rabbi Shimon Boyochai, and he tells us we're a soul, and that's a tiny spark of the Almighty within me. Wow. We've got daddy's DNA. Daddy is omniscient. The soul knows the intuition. This is the soul's omniscience sneaking through. A lot of times when you have a premonition or an intuition and it turned out true. Where'd you come from? Didn't come from your body, came from your soul. At that moment, you were connected with the almighty. You feel, you feel something and if it's not a good premonition, or God, good, if it's something that, that's negative, it can also, if a person is hooked to, to the evil side, that come from that. But there's a difference. How do you know if it's from the good side or the evil side? King Solomon tells us that also. The evil side is a nag. All the time, nags in your ear, this, that, that. The good side is like a little whisper. He says it in Song of Songs. That it's like, sneak a little whisper. And you feel this warmth and boom, right away it leaves. That's, that's your soul coming through. That's the Almighty illuminating your soul. And the great things, we said it's omniscient. Oh, but greater than somniscience, it's, it's eternal. Your soul never dies. That's what enables you to be optimistic because your soul never dies. You're never going to die. You're never going to die. So how does a soul not die? People bring children into the world, and they teach their children. That's a commandment in the Torah. You shall teach your children. And so many parents, that that's become out of style also. How many parents sit with their children, speak to the children? No, here's a Game Boy. No, go buy this. No, go do this, do that. Leave me alone. Why? Because mommy's on her cell phone, and daddy's on his cell phone. And you see, I I get marital problems, marital couples. The kids get married. You would not believe how many people in their fifties, after the youngest child gets married, and all of a sudden they're on swords. They they look they don't, they, don't know what, they don't know what to talk about. They come to the dinner table with phones. You don't come to the dinner table with the phone. That's so insulting. You got your your partner. You sit and you have a, at least at least a minimum 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 a half hour of intimacy. When I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about souls touching. How do souls touch by way of communication? Okay, that's intimacy. That's otherwise the other type of intimacy that here, there, and gone tomorrow. But that's the thing. People don't have it. So they've never developed a relationship. If someone has a difficulty with Chaduki, good was a social psychologist, a relationship psychologist, and there's a difficulty, but sometimes they use them in the industry, in the workplace. A difficulty between coworkers, difficulty between supervisors and and people under their their supervision. Oh, we got the messages from above. Okay. Yeah, that's a disconcerting the, the cell phones. Turn them off. I promise. The only one that's gonna send you cell phone messages now is the evil inclination. Because the evil inclination does not want you to hear what I got to say. Because if you hear what I got to say, it's going to put a smile on your face. I know he wants, he wants you to be one of the 60 million clinically depressed Americans. That's fine. You know why? Because if you're clinically depressed, you can't get close to the Almighty. Because sadness is an expression. We said the first principle of Muna, he alone did, does and will do everything. So when a person is sad, it's that expression that he or she doesn't like the way the Almighty runs the world. That's pretty insulting. And when a person is happy, no matter what, it, he or she likes the way that the Almighty runs the world. And that's it. You know what happens when a person's happy? You say, thank you for the difficulties. Eh, thank you for the difficulties. If it, if, it were, if it were not for my cardiac difficulties, it didn't stop me from being in the gym today on my birthday, doing a really good workout that maybe people... 40 years younger than me would have difficulty doing. Didn't stop, But it helped me in my body, soul priorities. And if I would add a healthy heart and I would still be putting, i guaranteed, being honest with myself, I'd be putting much too much emphasis on body, which the body, that's going to be the fertilizer. It's going to go back in and be an NPNK in the ground. This and that, that's, that's all it's about. Okay, from dust to dust. Uh-huh. Soul, the soul, you have your your students, the people you've influenced, lives you've touched. The lives you've touched, how do you touch someone's life? You can't touch their life with your finger. You could touch their finger with your finger. How do you touch somebody's life? You've said something, you've shown something, you've taught them something to influence their life, to change their life for the better. You know what that means? They take that little part of the soul that you gave them. This is a great part of the thing. You give your money then you've got less. If you've got $100 in your pocket, you give somebody $10, you're left with 90. The soul doesn't work like that. Suppose you have, I, I'd say this is just a metaphor, a hundred sparks of divinity, that your soul has hundred sparks of divinity. And you influence somebody's life and you give them five sparks, you pick them up from depression. Oh, you don't lose that. They're replenished right away, not even more. The Almighty says, oh, you're giving out Sparks? You're bringing people happiness. You're bringing them close to me. Take more. You get more than your portion. It's the exact opposite. Not only is your soul depleted, your soul is strengthened. What does it mean when a soul is strengthened? It illuminates more. And you see that in Hebrew, uh, for a person, a happy person, they call it an illuminated soul. Nishmato me'irat. The soul illuminates. And this, is, this is, the, the, the illumination, you mentioned Estee Lauder and Helen Rubenstein, They do not have a makeup that can make a woman so beautiful as the spark of Emona, her belief in the Almighty. Wow. That's it. The strength of that, people who are strong believers, and when I say strong believers, not just, uh, you know, they're fanatic on the religious side, but they cheat people in business. That's not a believer. Because someone doesn't do honest business, he thinks that during the day the Almighty is not with him. That's not a munah. That's not faith. When persons person from day to night, everything, what he lives his life with the Almighty, and we call the Almighty, we don't like to say the word God outside the context of prayer, so we say Hashem, which in Hebrew means the name, and this way you refer to the Almighty as Hashem. And so live and think, Hashem, what do you want me to do? Hashem, is this what we want to say? Hashem, this is... Uh, Last night, I met a person for the first time in my life. They have all the stuff that's this politically correct. The Torah calls it abominations. But politically correct, that, that Hashem creates a person in a certain manner, and I'm not politically correct. Okay, so if I insult anybody, excuse me, but I'm just talking about Torah, this pure Torah, and we're not being politically correct. Okay. so. If I met someone that had a different inclination with what he or she was born in, and they wanted to change it, and the mother and the person they came to me. And at first I listened, and I was silent, because I'm not judgmental. I just listened. And she says to me, Rabbi, how come you're not reacting? And I said, my worst nightmare is insulting another human being. So this is something I had never, personally, never been in contact with. <laughs> a lot of years, but ne- never been in contact with a particular individual like this. But at that time, all I saw was a soul. All well, I saw a soul. And it- Instant love. You, people could say, you know, something, no, this is not that. Instant love. Love that person. Love the mama. Loved her child, felt the mama's love for her child. Okay, so the child is. But even then, it's always a chance to rectify, always a chance to do something. Sometimes we do things, we try to rectify the body, but it's the soul that needs the rectification. It's the soul that needs the second chance. Give the soul a second chance. Let's stop and think we know. The, we just learned the on a, standing on one foot, encapsulated that the soul is eternal, that the body is finite. I much prefer an eternal life than a finite life. Finite life is a, pretty bleak. Okay, and now let's readjust priorities. So if I readjust my priorities, like this happened several times in my life. I remember when I, when I came out of my second war alive, I'd made a major adjustment of priorities, and gave up one career and went into a a spiritual, a learning process, entire learning process, all the time. And guess what? When you make a new start that the Almighty gives you at every given moment, a new start, and I'll prove that in a moment also, you're young. There are 23-year-old people that are old as the hills, and there are 80-year-old people that are young. Yeah, young can see. In Israel, we have great rabbis. I can start and name them. So many, a dozen. I can name right off the shot that made it past hundred years old. Why all the time? New start, new start. Rabbi Nachman. He only lived. Rabbi Nachman, the famous Rabbi Nachman Brest. he only lived until he was thirty eight. But Rabbi Nachman, okay, according to the doctors, he died of tuberculosis. Back then, they didn't have a solution for tuberculosis. But Rabbi Nachman said, "No, spiritually. Uh, yeah, he had a terrible cough. He coughed up blood. And forbid, he had it was difficult. But to ask Rebbe, what, what's the matter with you? You're such a holy man. Why is the Almighty doing?" He said that the Almighty. It's the Almighty. The Almighty knows that a day that I don't make a new start, it's not a day for me. He said, what do you mean, make a new start every day? Okay, imagine. Oh, you guys are Astro fans, right? That Baseball is king in Houston. Okay. Imagine that this guy is playing A-League minors, and he's a 400 hitter in A-League minors, so the Astros need a left fielder, and he's a great left fielder too, so they call him up to the majors. He skips the double A-League and skips the triple A-League. He jumps right from the A-League, and he's paying for, I don't know, Tucson and... He comes up and it comes up to the Astros. Now he goes to the Astros and he goes up to Mount, wow, does he have a rough first month? Okay, he goes up to bat, hitting two fifty. He says, Wow, I went from a four hundred hitter to a two fifty hitter, I'm terrible. Said, no, you're not. See, you're a rookie. It's your first month in the majors. You get used to those hundred mile hour fastballs and you'll get better. Pretty respectable. So it means that 250 in the majors is much more respectable than 400 in the minors. Okay, Have you ever seen a minor league hitter in 400 making it into all of fame? No. No. He's got to do that in majors, like a guy like Ted Williams from the Boston Red Sox way back, way back. What does that mean? It means when we go up on a higher spiritual rung, our life is harder, it's more challenging. The Olympic finals are much more difficult than the semifinals, than the quarterfinals, the eighth finals. The harder you go, you're against people that they won their bouts also. And in the Olympic finals, it's tough competition. We go higher. Rabbi Nachman said, if I can't go higher every single day, it's not a life for me. Because going higher means getting close to the Almighty, and getting close to the Almighty this is the world of opposition, but here's the thing. Proximity to the almighty cannot be done in the next world. The next world, a person is frozen and whatever they've done. okay, these are your accomplishments. That's fine. Here is your villa. Here is your estate here in the next world. this and that. But here we could do the climbing. We do the climbing by making the new start and the new start is a promise. It says it's nice, but I didn't make a new start. I mentioned very at the beginning about time with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, just as every heartbeat is new, every second is a new creation, and no-brainer than every minute and every hour. So if it's a new creation, what's a new creation? That the Almighty runs the world by combinations of his name. It's, I don't want to go into Kabbalah because it's confusing, but every single moment is a new opportunity in life. I could decide today Right now, I want to be better, okay? Father in heaven, help me be better. Father in heaven, help me get close to you. So what's a new beginning? Maybe I haven't been my happiest. You know I've been the happiest? I got a gift for everybody. Wherever I go, I bring a gift. Some people, they, they we don't charge money, and we don't charge that. No speaker's fees, no. Abraham and Sarah brought people into their tent and didn't charge speaker fees. Uh, my Rebbe, the Melissa Rebbe, the holy man, doesn't charge speaker fees. <laughs> no, no, no. Because if you want to touch somebody's soul, you got to get your hand off their wallet. They don't go together. I'm going to uh, describe a dream love. Tell me if you would like to have a dream love like this. You have a dream love, somebody that loves you, total love, unjudgmental, always there for you. And as much as you love that individual, he loves you a hundred times back, or she loves you a hundred times back. You say, that's impossible. That's why you to. how come, okay, yeah, it's a dream. I would love to have that. How come I can't find that? Because looking in the wrong place. Looking in the wrong place. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about religious. That's a, a single law. The only laws we spoke about are loving each other and being fair in commerce, et cetera. But if I want to have a new beginning, I need to establish a relationship with my true love. And that's a Because you're not going to find that love anywhere else. And this is what Rebbe Akiva, Akiva. We see where did our martyrs in history, Rebbe Akiva, the Romans, I, I can't even describe what they did to him. It's too graphic. It's in the Talmud. And we talk about this on the day of calamity, the ninth of Av, which we call Tisha B'Av. And that would, that day, both holy temples—the first holy temple and the second holy temple—were both destroyed. That's a day of calamity, worst day in Jewish history. The Romans took Rabbi Akiva and put him up on a stake and did the worst torture. Where you take the Hamas, Hezbollah, the Chinese, the Russians—they couldn't dream of the torture what the Romans did to him, and he had a smile on his face while they were torturing him. They took his students, and there was a soldier, two soldiers, and they're forcing them to look at the Rebbe. I could tell you that a person, like we mentioned before, the Talmud says that there's three partners to a person, mom, dad, and the Almighty. Okay. When you have your spiritual guide, your Rebbe, you love him like you do a parent even more because he brings your soul closer to God. What, what I learned in all my years of understudy by the Melissa it's priceless, priceless, priceless. And it's not always easy. Not always easy. Demanding. Okay. But I uh, get, get a smile from him. I go to him. And everything I write, everything that's got to go, got to get his approval, you'll see in the books, it's got his approbation. Holy man, respect. When he's got a cold, I get upset. We're, Rebbe, how are you feeling? Rebbe, what's it cold? The wheezing, this and that. And I say, well, listen, I'll make you a tea. Like very, very concerned, very concerned. Rebbe Akiva had a smile on his face. The students were screaming out, Rebbe, how can they do with this torture? I can you have a smile on your face. He said, every day when I say the Shema prayer, we say it comes from the Torah. You should love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. He says, I've waited 120 years to do that. Now that the Almighty gives me an opportunity, I'm going to be sad. I can live, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. I can live this. This was his level of immunity, of immunity, of, of, of when that reminds me, people say, you know, there's there's pediologists and cardiologists and uh, the, all the different types of doctors, oncologists, and rabbis. There's synagogue rabbis and city rabbis and yeshiva rabbis. People ask me, what kind of rabbi are you? I say, an immunologist. Em- okay, that's, that's about Amunah? Live Amunah. This was Rebbe Akiva's Amunah. He was so attuned with the Almighty that if this is what it is, and this is, this holds it, this, what, what this was, this was what we call a malitz yosha. This was at it's a proper word to translate that. It is like an atonement, like money in the bank for all future generations. Because of the merit of Rebbe Akiva, when there is a decision between stern judgment, and stiff judgment, that's why we remind this on Yom Kippur, because this is what happened on Yom Kippur. And we remind Hashem on Tisha Bav about that, these martyrs. And we do that to invoke divine compassion. So people say, well, when you when you give love to the Almighty, guess what happens? King David writes in Psalm 121, Hashem, Hashem is your shadow. Uh, you make the first step. And this again, King Solomon said, "You open up a sham a pinhole, and it'll open up. A, it'll open up a, 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 a as wide as a garage, as a two-car garage. You open up a pinhole. Give the Almighty a little pinhole to let His light come into your life, and it'll open up wide. Which means, guaranteed, a person makes a step toward the Almighty to love the Almighty. Boy, you get a hundred times back, plus more hundred times." People sometimes you get people complain and the, the person comes in, young man comes in, Rabbi, my life's not worth living. I said, What's the matter? I said, I See, you pulled up in a in a BMW convertible, red right? convertible. And okay, you've got money, right? He said, yeah, but my, my girlfriend left me. My girlfriend, your girlfriend left, that's of the best. She said, I'll give you the best. I'm brokenhearted. He says, uh, maybe she's a nice looking girl, this and that. She would not have been a good wife. She's not a good mother. And the Almighty knows what you do. And he had her break up. This is good news week. No, but my wife is the word living. I said, come here. So I feel a chest. I don't feel a pacemaker. Feels feel kid. No dialysis. Let's see a, excuse me, a, a bag in your trousers. You've got control of yourself and this and that. You know how many people don't have what you have? Two eyes, not glasses. And you're not wearing hearing aids like I am. It's, Years of explosions, and then in the older age after 60, just was paying the dues from all the years of explosions and gunfire. Okay. And i tell you one thing there is nothing, talked about the eyes, there's nothing as effective as your natural manufacturer's equipment. No hearing aids, it's sophisticated, very sophisticated. Okay, the hearing aids are Bluetooth. I get the telephone right in my hearing aids, get messages right in my hearing aids. Right the... Nowhere near, nowhere near the human ear. No eyeglasses and multifocals. Nowhere near the human eyes, and that's why people are going to have laser operations. And uh, no, 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 fun pun intended. Okay, but I want to do a laser operation on people's souls to open them up, get them out of Facebook and Twitter, and get them into the Almighty. Get them out of finite and get them out of depression and out of political correctness and out of what other people care about you. What does it matter if somebody puts a like on your post? People live for these likes. Uh-huh. They live for these likes. Like me, like me, like me. This is, this is your self image. Like self image is when you can look in a mirror and you can smile. And if you don't know how to smile, practice. Maybe it's unnatural. It's unnatural because you haven't developed your cheek muscles. Okay. Develop your cheek muscles. Maybe it's I like, it's, I don't think it, in Israel, it's, it's not etiquette to be in public and to chew gum. You know, it's like a child chewing his cud. You know, we don't have a, a rumen. We don't ruminate, but all right. But. I give people, I say, chew and gum. If you need stronger cheek muscles to smile, then as far as I'm concerned, you can chew gum. Go ahead and chew gum. Okay, You do what you need. Anything that puts a smile on your face, anything that brings you closer to the Almighty, and that's the second chance. If we were programmed, all the lives of our lives were bodies, no. No, we're not a body. We're a soul. The body does. And the gift is that the Almighty loves you. Categorically, I will sign a paper. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's very difficult. I am not willing, I work too hard for my next world to throw it away. If I tell something and misrepresent something that's not in the Torah, something not in the Talmud, something not in the Zohar, something that's not really about the Almighty, nobody says, What do you tell people that I have this love, unconditional love? Because you have this unconditional love. That's it. And if I wouldn't say it right. It's a responsibility when you're a spiritual guide, rabbi. And, uh, I guarantee I'll sign a paper. Anybody wants to sign a paper that Hashem loves them with pleasure. And I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are and what you've done, what you did do. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter. That's uh, My first job as a rabbi I was a rabbi of a prison, and I made it. For spiritual rehabilitation, you can have ten thousand Texas Rangers on the highway, and they're not going to prevent accidents. They'll giving out speed tickets or this and that. But if every single Texan believe, love your neighbors, yourself. I'm not going to do to another driver what I would want to be. I'm not going to cut somebody off. I wouldn't want them to do. It. Just going to act to every other driver can be courteous. Go ahead, my brother. Go ahead, my sister. Let them go ahead. Let them go ahead. You don't need a single Texas Ranger on the streets. You're not going to have car accidents, can have peace, can have calm. That's, that's the power. That's the power. So before we make peace with other people, we got to make peace with ourselves. And the peace treaty is ourselves. We've got to peace with our own souls. We cannot make our souls happy. By looking for body solutions, that don't work like that. Look for a solution to the soul. When a soul is not happy, it is suffering from spiritual It Needs vitamin E. That's emunah. That's his connection. So really, emunah, The translation is not faith. It's your personal connection with the Almighty between your soul. So that's the second gift. Almighty loves you. Second gift. Guess what? You could talk to Him in your own words whenever you want, day or night. And that's why it is so second nature when when Rabbi Obi came to Israel, uh, he said, "Come on I take it do something maybe you don't do in Texas. took him to a gorgeous southern Mediterranean coast in Israel, and expansive virgin beach, pristine beach. And what do we do here? talk to the Almighty. And if you listen. To the rhythm, the waves, you can listen to all the creation singing his name. All of creation. This is, if, if you don't have the song of creation, what we call Perek Shira, Google the song of creation and you'll see that King David wrote a book about how every creation, animal, mineral, plant, and human, how that they praises Hashem. They all to praise Hashem. If you can hear attuned to creation, King David could hear that. King David could hear the Lanham and the stones talking and trees talking. And, and even 350 years ago, his descendant, the Balshemtov, Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov, who's the founder of the Hasidic movement. That's what we hold by. Uh, and my Rebbe is a seventh generation, great grand, eighth generation, great grandson of the Balshemtov. Shem Tov. Uh, This is a straight tradition. You can, people are strong enough in tune that they can hear that. So, you could talk to the Almighty whenever you want. And it's vitamin E and Muna that is going to make you happy. You could talk about whatever you want. He's a listening ear. Not only is he a listening ear, he'll answer. And I'm going to complete with, well, I'm not paying attention to time. I'm looking. Okay. So people don't get up and leave and start throwing tomatoes at me. But I'll say, okay, start with, with a little story. A young lady, not Jewish, from South Dakota. And she heard this teaching that anybody could talk to the Almighty. And I said, on one of my YouTube flicks, that the Almighty answers, He answers. She said, something's wrong. This Rabbi Laser Brody, he sure doesn't say what my pastor says. Her pastor says, you gotta go through him. I can't talk to him, You gotta talk to the pastor. And the pastoral connect you middleman, not though. No, with Amunah, there's no middleman. It's you with your Creator. I don't tell people what to do. I try to connect people with the Creator. I'm down the road because once you're connected, you're Hashem's daughter. You're Hashem's son. <laughs> I don't need to tell Molly and Lime what to do. They're gonna Hashem will take them what to do. Okay, they're far away you are in good hands. It's not like the all-state insurance commercial. You're in good hands. Okay. <laughs> there you go. The McNamara family, you're in good hands. You're in Shem's hands. All right, it's, it, it's good to see you. Shem will take you exactly where you need to know because he knows your soul. I don't have the print out of your soul. I don't know what you're here to correct, what your job on earth is, and you've got a job that no one else has. So that's a, a connection. So this young lady in South Dakota, she a wait, something, somebody is not right. Either the pastor or this, but she's. I'm going to give this guy a try. So she goes out. If you ever been out of South Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota, over the border into Manitoba? It is so flat. And they grow wheat and corn out there. The rows for miles and miles, just straight, straight, straight rows, acres and acres of corn, acres and acres of wheat. She goes out to this cornfield, and she says to the Almighty, she says, uh, I've been told that I could talk to you, and I've been told you give me an answer. And she says, my, my pastor says no. I've got to go through him and through his man and everything else and can't do that. Somebody's wrong. I want to know the truth. She says, God in heaven, if you could hear me and if you're real, I need to know the truth. And you've got to give me a sign. Is this true? Can I talk to you? Are you listening to me? Can you hear me? Google the star-spangled gopher. There's this little gopher that grows out on the prairie, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, Manitoba. It's called the star-spangled gopher because it's got this cute little brown skin and it's got black lines and white spots between the black lines. It looks like a flag. It looks like an American flag on the back. This little gopher. It's only the only place in the world grows out there. Well, these gophers are so shy; they see somebody, boom, right back in the hole. Well, she talked to the Almighty for a whole hour. Is it true? Is it true? I'm not, give me some kind of sign. Tell so me here, right away, right in front of her, about maybe ten feet in front of her. The star-spangled gopher pops out of his hole. Looks at her, stands on two, and smiles. You ever see a gopher smile? I never <laughs> see a gopher smile. Okay, and he and went right back in. So she saw this was such an uncanny experience. We asked for that. She cried for another two hours. She cried for another two hours, and then she says, No, I'm, she's going to go the no-hide route. Young lady in South Dakota. And it, psh, the Almighty is just as much in South Dakota as he is in Jerusalem. He's everywhere. He said, They just got to reach, talk to him and not put him on the shelf and take him down with the Sabbath candles or, or take him down with the Hanukkah candelabra. He said, don't put him on the shelf. We did our lives. We live. And when you live, it's so gratifying. I mean, a, there are trucks that go through red lights. And there are people, you know, the, the, the guy that on his grave says, I, I had the right away. No, but you got to look out for the guy that's going through the red light. Gotta be a defensive driver. Okay. The people that go through life without that. It's a pity. And then they get up to the pearly gates and they show them, why did you act like a derelict? The king's son? You're a prince? You're a princess? And you're unhappy? Why did you plug into the king? That's king. Your majesty almighty, father in heaven. Be with me. Wow. When the Almighty is with you, that's what we say in the grace after meals, there is no deficiency to those who hold him in awe. Hold him in awe. What does it mean to hold the Almighty in awe? When you love somebody so, so much, You don't want to do anything to cause a person pain. I felt that last night. I felt somebody that even, if I would say a religious society, would, religious society would tell me not to love that person. Okay, but there are times where I don't agree with religious society because I don't think they're right. Hashem loves every single soul, every single soul. And so I didn't know how to react in the situation. Thank you. Hashem is showing me. Thank you, Hashem to him that laser is not the big man on the campus. His knowledge is limited. Thank you very much. Okay. And when I don't know the right thing to say, (laughs) I listen, shut up. Because if I keep my mouth closed, I'm certainly not going to say something that's insulting. Okay. So we could. And so when I have something nice to say, okay, you are allowed to open your mouth. Okay. have something nice to say. That's we owe it to one another because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all sons and daughters of the Almighty. So as soon as you have a Muna, you're one of the Almighty's emissaries, and you're bringing peace and harmony to the world, which is what the world was created to be peaceful and harmony. And by virtue of what you do, you're going to bring Messiah in our rebuilt holy temple, speed in our days. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org. Because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.